I just wanted to share for a little while now. I want you to imagine a scenario in just a moment after Ignite Plus have gone out to their group. Um, so the scenario is this there's a big festival it's just happened huge crowds are in town word gets out that Jesus is in the church grounds people are flocking to see him they're in their droves there's been a big festival numbers are high in town you're part of that same crowd, and just as you arrive, he sits down and begins to teach. And you're captivated as you're listening to him teach to the crowd. But all of a sudden, you become aware of a commotion that's beginning to break out in the crowd as some group, some group of guys are, are pushing their way through this big crowd that are listening to Jesus, breaking the silence. And they're forcefully dragging a woman through the crowd to bring her before Jesus and everyone else. Everyone's standing there and there she finds herself for all to see in an amphitheater, in a court, in a crowded area, place. And the woman has broken the law of the day and she has sinned and there are loud voices of accusation amidst the commotion that is ensuing and she finds herself placed in the center of that very place with everyone's eyes on her and everyone's eyes on Jesus. The woman is now finding herself on public trial, humiliated by her sin, in this case adultery, she knows she's messed up. She's been caught in that very moment. You don't have to tell her she's messed up. She knows that she has messed up and fallen into something she shouldn't have done. She knows in her heart that she's failed. And there's this accusing band of people all around her who are experts in the law and the, of the day and time, the law of Moses. And this woman stands there full of guilt. This woman stands there full of shame. This woman stands there full of fear. And as she stands there totally exposed before the crowd, she finds that she's already been judged. She's already been sentenced in the eyes of the experts of the law of the day. According to Leviticus 20 and Deuteronomy 22, she's already been judged. She's already been sentenced to death according to the law of the day. When this band of accusing, condemning voices turn to Jesus as he's in front of the woman, and all eyes are on this moment, this huge crowd, you could hear a penny drop, a, a pin drop, sorry, in that, in that silence, and they turn to him, having cast their verdict and their sentence, and they say these words, now, what do you say? And the silence is deafening. One version says, now Jesus, what is your sentence? And two people are on trial. There's a woman on trial because of this failing and this mess that's happened. And now Jesus is kind of on trial in a way, but on trial according to his response. 
how is he going to respond in this very moment to what the woman has done? Because they're trying to trap him between a choice. Justice and mercy. Law and grace. Gentleness and righteousness. And the accusation is this. Release the woman and you break the law. Recommend she stone and you shatter the illusion that you're loving. And gracious. And kind. And compassionate. And they're trying to trap him. And John begins to describe the opening scenes of John chapter 8 in this way. And it's one of the most poignant encounters in the Bible. Jesus went to the Mount of Olives and at dawn he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him. Versions say crowds, swarms at dawn, early in the morning. That's the first miracle. Everyone showed up for church really early. And he sat down to teach them. And the teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. Some versions say caught in the act of adultery. They made a stand before the group. They made a stand literally in the middle of the court, as some versions say, and put the case before him and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? Now, I know what you're thinking, and someone's already said it to me this morning when I told him I'm preaching. I'm thinking the same thing as well. Where's the guy? It's because so many people believe it was a setup, it was a trap, it was they were kind of using this situation, and this poor woman's kind of being used. And they were using this question, it says, as a trap, in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. What did he write? When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, let any of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote in the ground at this, the woman who heard began to go. uh, Sorry, at this, those who heard began to go away one at a time. The older ones first. Would you say this line with me? I've, I've put it in bold there until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. As we continue our Just Jesus series today, I want to talk about Jesus full of grace and truth. Jesus full of grace and truth. We'll reference that scripture in a moment. See, this lady's story was one of moral failure. But the truth is this, we all mess up, we all fail in different ways and at different times, we all sin, and yet there's this band of people around this woman who almost seem to want to make her feel like she's the only one. There's all these voices And the first lie that Jesus silences in this incredible scene midst the feelings of failure and all the mess was the lie that she was the only one. It wasn't true. See friends, when it comes to messing up sin, failure, the truth is we all need to put our stones down. We all need to put our rocks down. 
As Jesus says, let the one without sin be the first one to throw the stone. I heard a saying this week that is so true. Every saint has a past. Every sinner has a future. We don't know what Jesus bent down to write in the sand that day. The Bible doesn't actually tell us. A lot of people think the common train of thought is that people think it was the Ten Commandments. That Jesus bent down in the sand and began to write the Ten Commandments. But really, in truth, it's kind of speculation because we've got nothing concrete to go on. And so he's writing, you shall have no other gods before me, you shall no idols vain, keep the Sabbath, etc. Honor your father and mother, you know them. Murder, adultery, steal, lie, covet. And so some people suggest that maybe he was writing out the Ten Commandments. Some writers suggest that maybe he even wrote the names of the accusers by the commandments they had broken. Which may explain why the place emptied out so quickly. You know, Daryl, murder. (laughs) I think I'll leave now. (laughs) By the way, that isn't a confession, just in case. (laughs) Yep, yep, Uh, Nigel, if there's anyone, Nigel, this is not personal. Nigel, adultery... Julie, cover it in, and so on. But the place seems to clear out. But less important, uh, let's not get too hung up on what he's saying, but the essence of what, sorry, let's not get too hung up on exactly what he's writing, but the essence of what he's saying, which is that whenever we're tempted to pick up a stone, whenever we're tempted to pick up a rock and judge someone else, he's really saying take a look in the mirror. Because I don't know about you, but we often tend to fall and, You might say, no, not me. Well, then in which case you can shine up your halo today because you're a better person than I am. But when it comes to sin, we often fall into one, two extremes, which is either we condemn or we condone. We either come down hard on ourselves or on someone because of what they've done, or we condone it by beginning to justify it. And I think in truth, and I put myself in the heart of this as well, we can all be a little prone to being harsh. It's really another version of Matthew 7 when Jesus says, Do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge or treat others, you will be judged or treated. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. That scripture, by the way, because, oh, doesn't it great you sometimes when people throw that one? You know, it doesn't mean it's a license to do what I want. Well, you can't judge me kind of thing. It's not that. But Jesus is talking about in our heart, heart, heart attitude as we look at other people's lives. And actually, the best thing we can do is remind ourselves how much God has forgiven us. As I remind myself how much God has forgiven me, it helps me put my rock down. And this group of people begin to walk away because they knew, albeit maybe differently and in different ways, every one of them had a story of mess, every one of them had a story of sin, and every one of them had a story of failure. They knew they couldn't throw the stone because in wanting the penalties of the law to fall on this lady, in the ways that they would have broken the law, saying the penalties of the law would have had to have fallen on them. There wasn't a soul present in the crowd who wouldn't have faced the consequence of breaking the law in the day in some way. And the truth is there's just one person present who could have thrown a stone. Just one. Jesus. Because he's the only one without sin, and yet he didn't. He silenced every voice until, it says in verse 9, only Jesus was left 
with the woman still standing there. The sense that I'm carrying in my heart coming into today is that there for a bunch of us, there are some harmful voices in and around our lives that Jesus wants to silence. And actually what he wants to do is bring it down to a place until it's just you and him. He wants to remove the accusing voices, the condemning voices, that can often be loud voices in our life until it's just you and him, the voice of grace and truth. John 1 verse 14 and 17 says, The word became flesh, Jesus, and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Verse 17 says, and put that in the context of the story of today, for the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And I want to take all the stories present in this, uh, sorry, all the voices present in this story, and I want to put them into two categories today. The voice of the critic and the voice of Christ. The voice of the critic and the voice of Christ. And I want to suggest to us that every person who is a believer, in some way, at some point in their life, hears those two voices. Well, we should always want to be listening to what God's saying, but I'm saying at some point and in some way, there are times when those two voices clash and collide in our life. There are moments when the voice of the critic and the voice of Christ are both speaking into our life. And I want to ask us a question today. Which is the loudest and which are we listening to? See, I find the voice of the critic shows up in one of two ways. From others. There's what we'll call today the outer critic. Can we just go off that one just for a moment, guys? Just hold on to that for me for a little bit, please. Thank you so much. That's great. Just because I don't want you lot to read ahead of me. The outer critic thank you so much the outer critic is that there's this in this story we see this obvious baying group who are present in the woman's story and they're i mean they're harsh they want to see her punished for her mess they want to see her punished for her sin they want to see her punished for her failures and the cry is like let the full weight of the law come down and there's this kind of powerful image that kind of i just in my mind i was just thinking about this powerful image when we're told that jesus bends down on the floor and begins to write and it says in some versions it actually says in some versions that all these voices of accusation and condemnation that are harsh and critical that are around him it says a badgering him in some versions persisting it says in others insisting what do you say jesus there's this loud baying group of voices that are speaking over him, that are speaking over this woman. What do you say as they cast their accusation and condemnation and bring their guilt to the very scene and pushing him? Jesus, speak and speak. And these condemning and criticizing voices at this point in time in the story to me seem to be the loudest. They're shouting the loudest. Is it just that actually what they're trying to do, like what criticism and condemnation always tries to do, is, voice, is drown out the voice of grace and truth? 
And they're speaking over him until verse 7. It says Jesus, he straightened himself up, it says in versions. In other words, he, he stood up to his feet. And there's this poignant moment as he looks accusation and condemnation in the eyes. And says, let he without sin be the first to throw the stone. He silences those voice. But then I want to read a little between the lines when we talk about the voice of the critic and suggest there's also the inner critic. We'll come onto that screen in just a sec. The lady knew she'd sinned. The lady knew she'd messed. The lady knew she'd failed up. I can only begin to fail. Sorry, I can only begin to imagine how desperate she's feeling. And you know, when we kind of are trying to process those emotions in our own life, I don't know about you, but like I say, I'm really prone to kind of coming down real hard on myself in in many ways and and I'm not I don't want to even put things into categories but I'm because you say well that's a small sin and that's a big sin I'm just saying there's a disposition I know at times in my life no matter where you're putting it there's a disposition to actually be incredibly hard on myself and 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 kind of there's the inner critic and there are people in the room as a caveat here there are people in the room far more qualified to talk about this term of the inner critical voice than I am. People who work in therapy and stuff like that who know far more than I do on this. So I, I don't for one minute to profess to know everything there is to know. But at a basic level and having done some self-leadership stuff, psychology teaches us that what the inner critic, the critical inner voice sounds like. And brilliant, if we can bring that screen up. And it's like this. It speaks against me. It's a loud and harsh voice. It's repetitive. Does anyone find that? It's mean. It's discouraging, disapproving, destructive, depressing, generalizing. What does that mean? You always do this. Everyone thinks this about you. It imprisons, it pollutes, it questions your value and your worth and your ability. It produces tension and isolation, anxiety and dissatisfaction. Some really interesting stuff I didn't get into all but studies around the whole thing. Anxiety being often linked to a strong, loud, inner critical voice. It's emotionally charged. It draws attention to our perceived faults and shortcomings. It causes us to write ourselves off and it tells us things about ourselves. You're useless, you're stupid, you're ugly. You're flawed, you're unlovable, you're unforgivable. And I tend to find in my life the inner critic gets louder when I mess up. The inner critic gets louder when I feel I've failed in some way. Then I begin to find this inner critical voice gets loud. I don't know about you, maybe it's just me, but there are times in my life I really feel I prove the notion that we are our own worst critic. And we can be harsh on ourselves. We can be condemning on ourselves. It's not that we shouldn't face the truth of things, but I'm talking about this kind of punishing of ourselves. And I think this story highlights for us there are times in everyone's life when different voices compete for our attention. And there's all number of great good resources and things out there that help us with some of this stuff about, like I say, some great stuff in therapy about standing up to your uh, you know, outer and inner critics and how to silence them. But the beautiful thing for me in this story is that Jesus silenced every voice. Jesus silenced it. And the only decision the woman had to make in this point in time was to choose Whose voice was she going to 
listen to. And we face that same choice when we mess up or we fail. Whose voice will I listen to? The voice of the outer or inner critic that creates condemnation and despair and seeks to exploit and expose all our failures. Or the voice of Christ, the voice of grace and the voice of truth. Because the voice of the critic is a killer. Stone her, they begin to cry out. But the voice of Christ is the voice of grace and truth that stands her up. uh, Sorry, he stands up and says to her as he looks her in the eye, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? And she says, No one, Lord. And he said, Neither do I condemn you. Go now from now on and sin no more. Jesus brings her to this place where he says, We're stopping others punishing you from your failures. And I want to stop you punishing you from your failures. And one by one, every critical, and I love it, like one by one, every critical, accusing, condemning voice begins to walk away. Jesus stands her up. He begins to teach her as he looks her in the eye. A woman who everyone would just kind of look away from in disdain because of the mess and the mistake that he made. Jesus stands up and he looks her in the very eye. And he begins to teach her, treat her with love and compassion and dignity like she'd never found or met in any other kind of guy. But Jesus is not any other kind of guy. And he begins to speak to her and he speaks the truth. He tells her, go now and sin no more. He calls what's happened for what it is. He doesn't sweep it under the carpet. He doesn't condone it. He calls it for what it is. This mess, this failure, it's sin. You know, grace doesn't play down the truth. It's not in opposition to the truth. Jesus comes full of grace and truth. They're the same, two different sides of the same coin. And he doesn't say to her, hey, it's no big deal. And neither does grace afford us a free pass. When he says, go and sin no more, he's he's not saying, look, I'm just going to bring my grace. Go and do what you want. He says, go and sin no more. It's grace calls us to live the life that he calls us to live. And it's the call to go out and start a brand new life. The go now is go live a life of holiness. Live the newness of life that I want you to have. And so love and grace never, um, you know, love doesn't condone or condemn. But it calls us to leave behind the things that hurt us. To leave them behind. St. Augustine says what Jesus did here. He condemned the sin but not the person. And the voice of truth is also speaking grace into the mess, grace into the sin, grace into the failure. And I love this word forgive in the Greek. It's so rich. It's, it also means to liberate. See, the voice of grace brings liberty. Grace and truth speaks freedom and future and a life. And that's all running through this story. And we see the voice of grace and truth silence literally the voice of condemnation and the voice of guilt. Friends, that is the gospel. That at the cross, justice and mercy, truth and grace, judgment and love collide. That Jesus doesn't punish you but was punished for you. And Jesus never condemned this woman because he knew in not many more days he would die and be condemned for her. And there are two scriptures that anyone who loves Jesus can write over their life. Two life-changing scriptures. 
We can quote John 3.16 often until the cows come home. But don't stop. Read on to verse 17. Because it says, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. Romans 8 verse 1, come on, read it in in a voice of thankfulness and gratitude to what Jesus has done in your life because this is over your life. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He is not the voice of guilt and condemnation. He's a voice of truth that will often have to bring us to a place where he calls things for what they are, but he doesn't just leave us there in a place of punishment into that mess and that muddle. He speaks grace. He speaks freedom. He speaks life. He speaks hope. He says over you, it's time to get up and go because there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He has taken the condemnation we deserve and at the cross silenced every voice that was demanding a different outcome. So we go free. And the day that He rose from the grave, mercy and grace and love won the day. Mercy triumphs over judgment. So as the band come back, let me remind you today, church, that if you've sinned, If you've messed up, if you failed or you feel you failed or you've fallen in some way, if the voice of the inner or the outer critic is loud right now in your life, I just want to remind you today, because of Jesus and because of the cross, you and I find forgiveness, freedom, future and life. And the grace of God silences every accusing, condemning, despairing, exploiting, and exposing voice in your life. You see, the most important issue today isn't what others say, the voice of the critic, or what you say. Actually, when they thought they were going to put him to the test and stitch him up, they asked the most important question that really matters over every one of our lives. Jesus, what do you say? Until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. And the sense I have in my heart today is Jesus wants to bring some people back to a place where it's just you and him. You've kind of been stood in the middle of a lot of noise. Things that are being said around you, some of you. Things that are going off on the inside of you. And some of you really struggle with this stuff. And Jesus just wants to bring you right back to a place today where it's just you and him. Just just you and him. He wants to shut off every voice in and around you. He wants to send all other voices away. And he wants to look you in the eye today and let you know 
the voice of grace and truth. And the voice of love is looking you in the eyes today because Jesus is here. And he's calling back your attention. And he's calling back your focus. And just like that beautiful picture as he stands to his feet and he says, yeah, there's been some mess up, there's been some muck, there's been some failure. But it's not the end of the story. You're not the failure you think you are. You're not a person without hope and a future. You're not unloved or unlovable. And you're not the only one. Every saint has a past and every sinner has a future. But the one thing he's asking you to do today is just look at him. Listen to him. And go from this place in the newness of life that he died upon the cross to give you. There is no condemnation. Lord, I break every condemning voice. If you just know this is something in your life, why don't you stand to your feet where you are right now? If you have struggled with this, if you've said things over yourself, if people have said things over you and you want that to break today, you want that to be broken and you want to kind of just something to change and shift today, then I believe the grace of God is present right here, right now. And with courage, I just want to ask you just to stand to your feet where you are. Just as a response before him. If you're harsh on yourself and you struggle with the inner critic and you are hurt by things that have been said or done to you, said by others or to yourself, just stand to your feet. Lord, I want to silence in Jesus' name every voice of condemnation. Lord, I want to pray right now that the voice of grace and the voice of truth will just begin to speak into that situation of hope and healing. We love you, Jesus. We love you.